So typically when we do these podcasts, we do a little bit of research ahead of time. What? Yeah, believe it or not, we don't have all of this completely useless knowledge at the tip of our tongues. Though we do have a lot of useless knowledge at the tip of our tongues. I I would say we knew like 95% of what I think we're going to be talking about tonight beforehand. And like that 5%, I'm glad we know now. It definitely helps, you know, add to the viewing experience of the film. More so, however, I feel it's important to kind of, for us, to dig into these films a little bit and then to collect dates and names more for, you know, the folks who listen to this so that they can also experience uh, something and that we can give them correct information. Which then, of course, we throw out immediately because we drink a lot while watching these films. And Yeah, don't expect to be getting accurate information dates and names from, just a become really of, fuzzy. from a couple of guys who've had, in this case, an entire bottle of sake and about half a bottle of soshu Whew. between the two of us. Wow. Hopefully, if nothing else, we can, you know, relate to our audience that, hey... There's some stuff that can be learned when you uh, analyze films, and there's be stuff that could be appreciated, and uh, it really kind of helps add to what it is that you see on screen. If nothing else, I hope that that's what people take away from this. I hope so. I didn't sit through this movie, this movie's sequels, this movie's prequel, and this movie's remakes in the hopes that I would never get a chance to use any of that knowledge. Full disclaimer, if you haven't seen any of this movie or its remake, you might want to go and watch one of them before you listen to this podcast. Because tonight, we watched 1998's Ring, the Japanese horror film Ring, or Ringu. Depending on, you know. Depending on where you're reading that title. Oh boy. Good luck, folks. This one's going to get complicated. I'm going to need your help with a lot of the pronunciations today because sure. I know very little Japanese or in how to pronounce the words. I mean, I think you helped me out with uh, two at least. Uh, moshi Moshi, right? Moshi Moshi. Moshi Moshi, which is hello. Moshi Moshi is telephone hello. There's, oh, great. Yeah, Moshi Moshi is telephone hello. It's the polite way of saying, I'm going to talk. Okay, I gotcha. So about tonight's movie, do you feel that an audience needs to have a kind of familiarity with Japanese stories and storytelling in order to enjoy it? No, you don't need to. Uh, it makes some of the images that they present make a little more sense. By the way, you're listening to Out of Sync Podcast. And we've begun somehow without actually beginning. No, let's set the table, shall we? Go for it. I'm Jonathan LeDuc. And I'm Steve Shannon. And you are listening to the Out of Sync Podcast, which is another podcast about movies. Like every other podcast It's on also the another podcast about drinking. Yes, there's fewer of those. We like to combine them because there are two favorite things. And I say we did a damn good job picking out our drinks for tonight. I figured since we were watching a Japanese film that at least one of us would go for sake. And I'm glad you did because yep. it makes sense. I was trying to be more thematic in my choice. I was looking for something that could possibly have something to do with with the story or the arc, and I was really kind of focusing on the ghost aspect of it, and I was struggling. And then I realized, wait a minute, our protagonist is a reporter. So I, d I thought for a moment that I would go Hunter S. Thompson style, and I'd try and, you know, just be drinking Puerto Rican rum all night. 
until I I, I found a uh, a drink that caught my eye, Ginza no Suzume, and it is a Japanese spirit. Get it? <laughs> Get it? <laughs> now that we've dispensed with the fake laughs, is a soshu, I believe. It is soshu. It is a barley uh, liquor, not liquor. It's just a barley spirit. How would I describe this? It's distilled barley. In a lot of ways, it's similar to a vodka or a gin. It is very. It's a straight up spirit. It's just the Japanese soshu. I'll tell you, it 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 goes down good. Soshu is just the Japanese equivalent of vodka, as far as I understand it. It is as not an expert in anything Japanese. As far as recommendations go, yes, highly recommend on my part. How about yourself? Well, I started off, I went for the easy choice. I went looking pretty hard at a beer store for something related to ghost. Maybe a Frygeist or something that had an evil spirit in the the name. Couldn't find anything today. So I ended up going with a pretty straightforward sake. It was a Junmai Ginjo sake, so it's super premium. Oh, really? Yes. It doesn't say that on the label? It does say okay. super premium on the label. Ah, I gotcha. So I went with that, and it was a pretty straightforward sake. I drank it cold because you only heat up cheap sakes uh, to make to kind of hide the flavor when they're bad. I did not know that. Yeah, good sakes are typically served cold, though there are some good ones that also go hot. So I drank sake for most of the way, but ran out pretty quickly. So I did have a backup. I still got like a third of mine left. Yeah, you got a big old bottle. Ooh. <laughs> uh, and that's the difference between a sake, which is more in a, a beer-wine territory of alcoholism, versus an actual spirit. What is the what is the proof on that? This, the... this isn't bad. This is 40 proof. Okay. So it's not that much more in the sake. Yeah, so li- listen, folks. I did not, you know, just, you know, pound two-thirds of a 750-milliliter bottle of something that was, you know, say 100 proof. That would... Oh, that'd be brutal. So my backup and my chaser was a Limbo IPA from Long Trail Brewing Company. I love Long Trail. Long Trail is, we'll call it local, and it is a tasty IPA. Now, I have we ever sat down and formally explained the rules of why we drink what we drink? I'm sure we have, but we were probably drinking at the time, so whether or not they were understandable, uh, and whether or not we remember doing it are two entirely different questions. Well, very briefly, I will just say, we drink stuff that we want to drink. Sometimes we kind of explore for things that we haven't uh, had before, but for the most part, the only rule is you have to be able to justify it for the film that we are watching, and the film we are watching tonight is the 1987 Japanese horror film Ringu. Yes, except it came out in 1998. Am I right? Oh, God damn it. What did I say? 1987. Not even the right decade. We'll... <laughs> Wait, when, I said 87? Yeah. Oh, crap. So 1998's Ring, or Ringu, if you're pronouncing it like you're a Japanese person, but the title's Ring, but to distinguish it between the American remake, it has always been promoted here in America as Ringu. They spell it out, R-I-N-G-U, on... Right on the... Anything that you would purchase, whether it be a digital version, if you want to look it up online, it's under Ringu, the DVD box that you have, Ringu with the U on it. They really wanted to make sure that you knew that you were not, you know, going to be watching the American version. You weren't accidentally watching the Naomi Watts version. You were watching the Japanese Ringu. And it is the first in a series. It was now, fall. which series are you talking about here? Are you going to talk about the Ring series of movies? Are you going to talk about the series of films that came after this? This is kind of a revival of Japanese horror. 
Well, this kicked off that whole new J-horror remake craze in America for sure, because this was remade, Darkwater, Jew on the Grudge. There was this whole early 2000s thing where every horror movie was just a remake of a Japanese horror movie. This is one of the early examples of the Japanese film that inspired that particular craze. Now, this is based off a novel, and it's also loosely based off of a television version of that novel. And then it inspired two sequels, which I've seen, Ring 2 and Ring 0. And then there's the American film The Ring. Which spawned its own sequel, Ring 2. The Ring is fairly well regarded. The Ring 2... <laughs> Not so w- much. Which is the only one of this of all of these movies that I've talked about, minus the television movie from 95, that I have not seen, but I have not heard good things about. Now, the novel uh, that this film series kind of drew off of had a, a sequel, The Spiral, which was also made as a film, and it was, believe it or not, released at the same time as Ring, the Japanese version. For whatever reason, the Japanese movie studio thought it would make it do better if they released them at the same time, and it really failed. I mean, the it's it's known as the forgotten sequel. Now, I have I haven't seen Spiral, but I I gotta ask, what could they possibly be thinking? Yeah, there seems to be some thought that fans of the book would be interested, because what we're saying is there was Ring Two, and then there was as a Ring Two movie, and then there was also a movie based on the novel that was a sequel to the book Ring called Spiral or Rosin. Right. And they were released... Right around the same time. Yeah, there was a movie adaptation, also came out in 98, the same time as the adaptation of the first movie, and they're not connected really at all. It's very confusing. They share no characters, but the production crew was the same. Yeah, here's the thing. We're going to say this a lot tonight, guys. The Japanese do things a little differently than we do. My favorite is their penchant for calling prequels with a number of zero. So if you have a video game and then you make a prequel video game like, say, Resident Evil, your your prequel would be Resident Evil Zero. In this case, they made a prequel to Ring the movie and called it Ring Zero. Oh, should we just roll right into this? Let's do it. So we've laid this out and... You know, one thing before we move on, as long as we're talking about the franchise, I want to mention the 1995 made-for-TV movie. Okay. In 1995, they made a made-for-TV version of this 1991 novel, and it was, of course, called Ringu Jikuka Henshika Forsu no Inoshi wo Ubao Shoujo no Anen. Which translates to Bob. Or Ring, colon, Accident? In Terabang, or Unnatural Death in Terabang, the young girl whose hatred steals four lives. It's a hell of a subtitle, at the very least. Here we go. We're getting right into it. Ring. Ringu. I'm on my point break notes. That was two movies ago. This is Conan. Hang on. (laughs) Ringu. I hope you're listening to these in order at home. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) jeez. Oh, that's funny. No one's listening to this. Let's we'll set the scene. Two teenage Japanese girls, not as fun as you think, are having a sleepover, and one of them is telling the other a scary story. It's a really simple setup, folks. They're gonna lay out exactly what happened here. Yes. The the gist of it is one of these girls has seen a scary videotape and she's aware 
of a urban, an legend urban legend of sorts about a videotape that's killing people. And they seem to already know right off that it has something to do with the region of Izu in Japan. One of them has stayed at a cabin in the woods and it, it, on well, the peninsula of Izu. But it seems to be that they are well aware that whatever this urban legend is spawning from has to do with the yes, region of Izu. Yes, it's also very confusing because the girl telling the story, first off, is not the girl who has already seen the tape. She is literally repeating the urban legend, and it does include the peninsula, Izu, and it does include, you will die in one week. And of course, her friend is scared shitless. Yes. Because, well... It turns out... She happened to be staying at a cabin in Izu. (laughs) A cabin in the woods, of all places. And while she was there with her three friends... Which, which nothing happened nothing between happened. no no nothing ha- listen teenagers two girls out. two guys nothing happened we nothing promise nothing happened we it's swear. japan so you know it's wholesome they're very chaste <laughs> oh, japan you're so creepy yes but while they were in that cabin they watched a strange videotape now i i i struggled with this did they say that they were trying to record something else the urban legend suggests that Someone was trying to record a baseball game, I think it was, Mm -hmm. and because they were in the wrong region, the television channels were wrong, and therefore, where there was no signal being transmitted on a channel that didn't exist in that region, they accidentally recorded this. It's unclear. So it wasn't the teenagers who originally made the tape. I think it's just part of the urban legend. I I don't know. It's hard to tell. Long story short, there's a tape out there. Not important. There's a tape out there that these four kids have seen. And by out there, we mean it's still back at the cabin. But there's a tape. And if is, you watch it, you die in seven days. Our I mean, it's not, like, it's not like a shock, though, uh, because, you know, a ghost calls you up on the telephone and says, you got one week to live. Does the ghost actually even say that? Okay, here's the thing. They make it really clear in the American version. Yes. And in In the Japanese version, they pick up the phone, and all you can hear is kind of noise coming out of it. For all you know... Yes, the person heard, you will die in seven days, or you'll die in one week, but the audience doesn't hear that, or the subtitles don't show that the character heard that. Point being, a lot of things that are spelled out, and we'll be going over this a lot, a lot of things that are spelled out very strictly in the American version are not spelled out in the Japanese version. In our setup here, our uh, open to this film, well, one of these girls, she dies in a very creepy manner, and I just gotta say, it's... As far as setups to a movie go, very simple, yes. but effective. Yes. And, um, I mean, they just sit there, and it's two girls, you know, talking about an urban legend that they heard. It's like that movie, Urban get, Legend. Yeah, and then things just get creepier. TVs turn on by themselves. And then the phone rings, and when, here's the thing. You find, you you got your surround sound set up now, and it sounds phenomenal. And I was, when that phone rang, it came from behind, right behind my head. A little I creepy. Like, I was like, Damn. Good job with that. Yeah. The other thing they did really well in the scene is they had no respect for the rule of 180. The 180-degree rule. Is a, is a rule in um, in filming where if you are shooting a scene uh, between two people, you cut the room in half and you leave your camera on one half of the room. In other words, the person who's on the left side of the screen always stays on the left side of the screen. The person who's on the right side of the screen always stays on the right side of the screen, so they're always facing the right way, so the audience isn't confused about where people are placed in a room. Now, in this in this scene, they, they violated that, um, but it worked. It's yet Hell another it. of the techniques of making the viewer uneasy. 
I mean, they did a really good job making everything feel really creepy in this thing at the expense of not a lot happening. For, and I forget the exact runtime of this film, but it's, it's 90, like 90 minutes. Something, 90, 90 something minutes. It doesn't go over 100. Yeah, not a lot happens. The American version is significantly longer. There are significantly more jump scares. And they do take some elements, I believe, from the sequels, which is maybe why they had nowhere to go in the American sequel. Um, I wrote down a note here. It says, I feel like we're going to be saying the Japanese version, question mark, a lot tonight. Or the American version, question mark. That's our setup, though. We got a, we got a dead kid who uh, we know has seen a videotape, and we cut immediately to an interview with our main character, a television question mark reporter she's a television journalist was there something lost in translation because oftentimes it was referred to as the or was it referred to as the paper or in the when they were trying to get information from other locales they kept saying does the newspaper have a bureau there and i don't know yeah, that, if it, i feel like that, that was lost in translation i think it might have just been a mistake okay, on the subtitles. Let's move. she's a, she's a reporter regardless of its uh media and uh she's interviewing couple of schoolgirls about this urban legend yeah and asking them all about the things they've heard it wasn't made clear right away if uh she knew that her niece was one of those students who had been killed she did not know right away they mentioned two teenagers who died in a car and she assumes oh you mean they were in a car accident and they said no they were just in a car parked and they were found dead she manages to find some video of these kids but that that's going to come later the first thing she's got to do is uh go to the funeral for her niece yeah how unfortunate that she's connected to one of these dead teenagers and it was kind of awkward because in the midst of her trying to like console her family she overhears more students talking about the urban legend and immediately starts pumping them for information yeah so she starts to realize oh maybe my niece was connected to the two people who died in the car and they never really cover who the fourth person was and if they did i just missed it i think i mean there was two girls two guys i mean we assume that it was two couples but uh not important what is important is now she's on the hunt she enlists a couple people including her ex lover slash the it's baby her daddy. husband ex lover sounds so seedy were they married they were married i mean she says she was her wife but she i feel like she may have Lied to try no, to get past that she, cop. Nope, definitely they were married. Okay, fine. So, um, first thing she does, she enlists her newspaper, not her newspaper, her news station buddies to start doing research on these two kids who died in the car, including finding footage of the bodies with a look of terror on their faces. Mind you, she also discovered that her sister w- discovered her daughter's body, her her niece. Um, that died and she finds a connection they all have contorted faces a yes almost died of terrified terror. yeah and this is yet another big difference between the american version and the japanese version the american version they went for it in the american version in they, the american version they went drowned corpse view as in very oh cr- that did look like they had drowned they looked like drowned corpses now, I'd heard somewhere, and this has been a long time since I've heard this, so take it with a grain of salt, that the Japanese production had something similar, and it did not work on film for them. Either the story, I think, was that it was too scary, which probably just means it looked stupid. <laughs> but uh, in, in the Japanese version, they just go with a look of abject terror on their face when they die. 
And then, of course, I, w- I was always kind of back and forth wondering, was she just trying to, you know, like, figure out what happened to her niece or be a good journalist? For me, the tipping point of that question happened when she raided her niece's room to find uh, clues. That's just, like, zero respect. She just, like, barged right in. It's like, all right, whatever. Yep, this happened, so finds... I'm going to... She, she was doing this more for the journalistic aspect yeah. to start off than it was. Yeah, she finds a photo development receipt goes to the photo did the photo lab photo lab i don't I, want to say lab as that sounds professional I mean, these I mean, are just consumer wherever wherever these folks went to go get their their photos developed to the local drugstore or whatever it is gets picks gets, up the photos picks up the photos finds that after a certain day all their faces are distorted in the photos like they've been smudged while developing type thing not a big deal, but it helps her realize it helps there's something her, else going on. It helps her key in on the location and the date because the photos had are heard, dated. At this point, she had heard possibly about Izu being involved, the, the a, uh, a cabin in the woods in Izu. I, I say cabin in the woods like it's like creepy. It's actually like a more of a resort type place. Yeah, it's just like a little... Motel, Camp, like cabin, motel camping type thing, out kind in the of woods. thing that you. It's not even that probably that far out in the woods. It's probably right off the main drag. It's where seventeen year olds go to bang. They it's set that up that it's way. It's where teenagers go to have fun on the weekends. Nothing Steve. happened. Nothing happened. Yeah, right. So uh, she now knows that on August 29th where their faces were distorted. So it had to have happened that day or before. And now she has a location because. In the photos, she can see the name of the place where they stayed. So she drives out there from Tokyo. It's not a long drive, but it's it's out there. Doesn't really find anything there that's too off-putting. Goes to talks to uh, the manager there. Says, hey, do you recognize these kids in this photo that I have? He says, yeah, I kind of recognize well, he's them. He's like, oh, August 29th? Let me look through my logs. And, you know, this is like the late 90s, so they still had, you know, videotapes that people who could... Uh, you would go to the office and you would rent a videotape to bring back to your cabin to watch that night. And she sees one that's like unlabeled and she's like, well, it's not just that. There's an effect. Uh, yeah, and yeah. it's questionable whether that's for the audience's benefit or if she actually sees it. She looks over and she sees an unlabeled tape and everything gets grainy and overexposed. And she asks about it. And the proprietor picks it up and says, I don't know, someone must have left it here. Here, just take it. Whatever. And brings it back to her, you know, her room, her cabin. And at this point, here's your typical horror movie moment of the film where the entire audience is going, are you stupid? Really? Are you that dumb? This entire story that you're chasing. Are you missing brain cells? You've been chasing a story about a videotape that kills people. You just found a videotape. Let's watch it. Hmm. Hmm. And here's actually where your favorite difference yes. in the films comes about. Th- so, and I brought this up a lot while we were watching the film. If you've seen the American version, when she watches the tape, it is filled with images, many images, some of which are important, some of which just seem creepy and random. There's a spinning chair, there's a centipede, there's just random things. And I believe in the American version, it's different for every person who watches it slightly. And that's actually a feature I kind of like, but I like the Japanese one more in that there's four images primarily. There's kind of a ring of light at the beginning. There's then a woman combing her hair. There's text that says, eruption. 
and then there is a uh, some bodies laid out on a beach and a man pointing. The man pointing is covered in a white cloth, which I believe is a Japanese cultural thing for dead people. Then there is an eyeball with the kanji character for Sada. And then there's a view of a well. And that's it. Those, that's one in four. Yeah, but I'm combining the people laying down and the guy pointing are kind of like one thing related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's a woman combing her hair. There's some people on the beach. There's a, a few images that seem abstract, mostly well-related. The word eruption it repeated well over the screen. And the word sada, which I believe translates as chaste. But don't hold me to that. My Japanese is not great. Do you have any? Very little. I can say Ichi Nisan, which means one, two, three. Anyway, so a very specific series of images, and every single one of those images will become important in the movie. Of course, our 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 you know our reporter doesn't oh. actually you know can't figure it out on her own. Then the phone rings. Oh, are we going to do that? Yeah, that's true. Okay, the phone yeah. rings. It's mildly important. The phone rings. You don't really hear what's said on the other end if anything is said. But she looks up. But she looks up. Checks the time. It's 7.10. Very important. On Monday. On Monday. And the film does a great job of keeping you informed of what day it is. With a, not just the text on the screen letting you know which day of the week it was. Characters With a very constantly. ominous, like, boom, boom. And then every character being like, I only have six days left. But in Japanese. <laughs> so she then enlists her ex-husband. Her baby daddy. Her, who... The son doesn't seem to get along with, but it's very glossed over, not important. I don't think the son recognized him. I I feel that that's a possibility. Oh no, I that I never don't considered. Think the son recognized him. I think he was gone before he, this kid like hit one. There are no pictures of him in her house. I did notice that there are no pictures of him. This and he just is, pictures of the mother and, and the son. And he has to ask, like, so he's in elementary. Oh, he's school in elementary now. school now. Hmm. <sighs> and it, it was, yeah, I mean, he, this guy is out of this kid's life. Yes. Which makes me wonder why she was so quick to call him. Well, you I, find out. Yes, you do. And it's kind of implied early and then made more explicit later. First he, off, he's really good at research. He's, because he is an academic. The other thing is, he's kind of sensitive to the supernatural. Yes, he is a sixth sense of some sort. And it becomes more and more explicit. But early on, the first time you notice it is he pauses before he rings the doorbell, as if he senses something evil. The next thing that kind of happens is he stands without saying anything inside the apartment, but you know, just kind of like looking around, kind of like, "What the frickin' this is going on here?" There's a lot up. of there's a lot of <sighs> Japanese are not big on verbalizing words. They're they're more into just getting the sounds out that really say what you want to say. Hi. Hi. No, that's that was me agreeing with you in Japanese. Hi. Hi. Hi, which does Here, not mean yes. Here's the deal. It actually means I agree. Here's the deal. He was kind of skeptic about this whole videotape thing, and he's just like, whatever. So he decides to watch it. He, he does. Of course he's going to watch it. Of course he's going to watch it. He's curious. He's an Who academic. Academics are all curious. Phone doesn't ring, so yeah. he's like, whatever. Phone doesn't ring, which is the first clue that something is different about this. Nothing's wrong. Don't worry about it. And then, um... We'll do some research. They decide to do a picture. The picture test. He does a Polaroid of her because this is 1998 and people do not have phone cameras. I wonder if it would work with a digital camera. Oh. By the way, have you ever seen Shudder? It's another American movie that was a Japanese horror film beforehand. I should also point out this 
ex-husband is played by Hiroyuki Sanada, who is in tons of movies that you may have uh, seen. Japanese and American films. The Last Samurai. Other movies that you've heard of. I don't. I didn't write them all down. I just remember he was in Last Samurai. I believe he was a very important character in the one with Keanu Reeves. 47 Ronin. Oh, yeah. Yes, he was in 47 Ronin. I wonder if he apologized for that. I don't know. <laughs> it was not a good movie. Can we watch it? So they start doing some research together. He breaks this story pretty quickly. They watch the video together multiple times on an editing machine so they can go backwards and forwards. She notices that there's a scene of a woman combing her hair in the mirror, but there should be a cameraman in the mirror from that angle. And she knows this because she's a photojournalist for a television station and she knows slash newspaper we're still slash, not quite clear. not entirely clear then he he hears a poem of sorts being read in the background and our subtitles translated as frolic in the brine goblins be thine which i've looked it up at different points and it's simpler than that but they wanted it to rhyme it's something like play in the water demons may get you type thing but the rhyming version is frolic in the brine goblins be thine and he's able to understand it but there's something off about it and later he determines it's a specific dialect from an island off the coast the other thing he's a not... volcano erupted oh see that no they weren't quite sure about the whole what does this eruption thing mean why is this important yeah i thought it was van halen for a while but then i realized maybe not Here's the thing that happens in this movie, all right? This is now day three after the initial viewing of the film, or the videotape, rather. And we're going to spend, like, the next three movie days just doing research. And it's going to drag in the movie. It's going to be 25 minutes in this film. It's pretty realistic because you don't just get answers just because you need them in real life. You have to go and do research. But I'd, I'd say on day five... They finally Yo, start making breakthroughs. Well, no, well, he makes a breakthrough in terms of he figures out possibly the woman in the first image combing her hair is this alleged psychic, Saiko. Shizuko. Thank you. He discovers that, um, Shizuko? Shizuko. I suck with Japanese. Uh, he discovers possibly that the woman combing her hair is this alleged psychic, Shizuko, who may have predicted an eruption. Yes. And then his tone changes a lot. It yes. changes hard. It changes from, don't worry about it, I'm sure it's fake, to, you we only got four days left to live. You got four days left to live. We better get going. Because you got four, I got five. And then the worst of all possible things happens. Yoichi, her son, watches the video. You know, she thought she'd kind of like teched, you know, left the tape top, tucked away. And she's like, why the hell did you watch this? She's, and, the, and the kid replies, my dead cousin told me to. Yeah. That's, that's never resolved. That's never resolved. They never say why the dead cousin was like, hey, you should totally watch this videotape. The, the ex-husband does make a passing comment about it's not her anymore, as if implying that now that she's dead, she's an evil spirit, or the evil spirit has taken her form. I don't know. You I know, think it might have little... made sense if we were more hip to Japanese uh, folklore. Japanese folklore is complicated. I don't even know what a tanuki suit is. So, you know what? what? The Super Mario Brothers 3 raccoon suit. It's a tanuki suit. Okay. Raccoons are things. Trickster spirits. I don't know. Got it. 
if it's not about hopping vampires, I'm not good on Asian folklore. <laughs> so here, here's the deal. They, they, They've tracked down this dialect to a specific island. They, they know that this volcano erupted, and they are familiar with a story of a psychic who possibly lived there. Well, no, they knew she lived there. The question was, was she possibly psychic? And they, they go to a family business, which... I don't know. Is it a hotel? It's a motel? It's definitely a place where they maybe could possibly be allowed to stay. They're just staying in some... They're staying somewhere. It's not really important. It's connected to to this family, though. And psychic ex-husband dude, when being shown to the room, goes a different direction and opens a door and sees a mirror. Dun-dun-dun. It's the same mirror from the video. And as soon as he, like, gets locked on that mirror, catches the attention of some old fart, who has the greatest freaking accent. He's basically the chairman from the original Iron Chef, but as an old dude, just... It's pretty clear he knows some of the information that they need. Yep, and he goes out to the water, and they follow him one day. One day, as if they've been there for months. No, they're on a strict timeline. I have three days, you have two. So they go out. Basically, they accuse him of knowing something. He insists he doesn't. Psychic dude grabs onto him and is transported back. It's a vision. It's a vision. But let's just say they're trans... No, you're right. It's a vision for him. She, the protagonist, she's trans... Can we just look up her freaking name? We keep calling her the protagonist, the reporter. The character's name... I'm really... Do they even is, say it in this stupid her, movie? Her character's name is Reiko Asakawa. They say it like once. Yeah, Cut they say it slack. like once. Played by Nanako Matsushima. Reiko, Reiko, she's transported into the vision while it's happening. Turns out the old guy is the one responsible for bringing the reporters and a professor who was interested in studying psychic phenomenon to the island to study this woman. Psychic. Ko, not Sadako. Shizuko. Shizuko. So I'm going to get it eventually. Shizuko. They are transported to the demonstration of her powers in front of a bunch of journalists and scientists. And she's nailing it. And she is nailing it. Everything that that's, she's saying is correct. She's copying down all the words that another guy is writing down perfectly. And of course, one journalist, you know, doing his proper journalist things, being like, this is bullshit. This bullshit is a fraud, and she's, and he's getting a bunch of the other journal. He's getting a bunch of the other journalists behind him. Kind of like you, you can't prove this. Absolutely not. So he, oh, oh my god. <laughs> and then he drops dead. He just drops dead while accusing her. Question is, did she kill him did with her here psychic powers? Oh, answer is no, and they no. answer that pretty quickly. It and wasn't Shizuko who killed him. It was Sadako, Sadako the daughter. Sadako the daughter, and Sada is the. The character that was shown in the eye, so we know that it's related. And if you have, they make it kind of clear at this point that Sadako is the ghostly figure that people have been kind of seeing throughout the film. And she is the typical Japanese creepy girl ghost, long black not, hair in here's front the of her thing. face. Here's the question I keep meaning to ask Is she the super typical Japanese ghostly figure, or is she like the original? hair down in front of your face type of ghost because it's based on a specific Japanese ghost type. I don't know if the hair in front of the face is typical, but she is a specific Japanese ghost type that Japanese audiences probably recognize 
as a specific type of ghost, and I don't know enough to say for sure, but it was very promptly copied by everything to the point where in the movie Cabin in the Woods, that is the representation of the Japanese horror movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Cabin in the Woods, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's it's about... Uh, it plays it's on pretty horror awesome. tropes. And they, they talk about horror tropes across the world, and there is a Japanese horror trope. And of course, it's just it's the girl with the hair in front of her and uh, her the hair covering the rest of her face. Scare, terrorizing a bunch of Japanese school children who uh, defeat her with the power of song and friendship. <laughs> Freaking Japan. Good on them. Point being, they've now discovered that the vengeful spirit is not Shizuko. It's Sadako. And Sadako, while Reiko is in this vision, Sadako grabs onto her hands. We see two things. One, Sadako has no fingernails left. And two, even when she comes out of of the vision, she has marks on her arm where Sadako grabbed her. Armed with this new information, they realize Sadako wasn't buried on the island. She was possibly taken away by the uh, by the, the professor, doctor, the doctor, who they initially think may be her father. Regardless, um, they they either need to find Sadako or they need to find the doctor, and they need to get to the bottom of this because they only got like two days, or she has. Two days they're left they're to probably live. down to one day. Yoichi at this has point. three days left to live. Uh, no, no, no she, had, no, two, has... she has two because it's Sunday at this yeah. point. No, that, she, she dies, on, dies Monday. on Monday, so she's got one full day left, really. Day and a half. Um, her ex was her ex husband Ryuji San. He has two days, and then Yuichi's got, I don't know, four or five days at this point. They're, they're struggling to find a ride off of the island that they're on, and in the process of trying to find a a way out, Ryuko has a has an epiphany of sorts, and she realizes. This all comes back to Izu. That's where we need to be right now. Yeah, the telephone call only happened in Izu. Hmm. Let's get to Izu. And gruff old guy, helps them get to... That's so close to my Arnold impression. (laughs) It's your Japanese Arnold. It's my Japanese Arnold. (laughs) This is going to be twice in a row that we've now grunted at you, and for that I apologize. So they... Then he brings them to Izu. Well, I mean, he gets them to the mainland. Gets them to the mainland. Oh, actually, I mean, Izu's Izu, a peninsula. He could very possibly he may have just gone straight right to the Izu. Point being, they then um, stop by a store. Ryuji buys a couple very specific items, which should make any clerk very questionable. It, it, it was Yoichi who bought them, not Ryuji. And like, if you've ever like Ryuji, Ryu. Reiko, Reiko is the woman. Ryu, you, Ryuji is the husband. God, no, Yoichi okay. is the son. I have freaking Japanese names. He basically, he goes ahead and he wins the three items game. Uh, if The three items game, it's very simple. You, you think of three items store. that you could possibly bring to a clerk that would elicit the most confused reaction from that clerk. An example might be rubber hose, uh, some uh, syringes, and uh, rubber gloves. I remember when I worked at a convenience store, once it was condoms, uh, lollipops, and I think cigarettes, and I was just curious what kind of night they were going to have. That's, I mean, so do you wonder if that person was playing the game with you? It seemed pretty genuine as, hey, we need some condoms, and we need some lollipops, and while I'm here, I'm going to pick up a pack of smokes. Anyway, (laughs) they, they win the game outright with a shovel, plastic buckets, and a rope. Lots and lots of rope. Lots of rope. And a crowbar. 
It's the bonus. Oh, it's fourth. four items. That's no it was fair. A bonus. They, they cheated. So they drive out to this this little cabin resort, and they don't even seem to check in. I'm curious if the owner at any point wonders what's going on. They go immediately to underneath the cabin and decide to break through that lattice. I feel like at this point they had an idea that that's where the well was. Yeah, they just decide, eh, let's just go straight to the well. No need to check in with anybody. We know what we're doing. And when they place their hands on the well, they're given another vision. And it's of Sadiko getting thwapped in the head by the professor dude who originally studied her mother. or Yeah, her mother. Yes. And she falls to the bottom of the well. It's a very what-the-hell moment. Reiko thinks, how could her father kill her? And Ryuji, I don't think he was really her father. I don't know what her father really was. Implying that maybe her father was... A spirit of some sort. Oni. Oni. I know another Japanese word. (laughs) And then we get a really awkward, like, ten minutes of them trying to... They spend a lot of the movie emptying out a well with those plastic buckets. And the best part is he climbs (laughs) down into the well and makes her stay at the top and haul up these five-gallon buckets. They have, like, allegedly two hours to live. Yeah, for a good hour hour and a half he makes her haul buckets up the well hand over hand on the rope no she's running out of time he still has 24 hours left to live and it's like and he's just sitting down there and she drops a bucket because she's exhausted because she's been pulling these buckets and it's after this point where they're like okay maybe we can switch and he's like what he drops she drops a bucket and he goes what are you trying to kill me it's like I've been hauling buckets for ninety minutes. These You've been like sitting down at, at the bottom of a well. Granted, you're sitting probably down there with an evil spirit. Whatever, switch places. She doesn't want to switch places. I, mean, I will say that. I, I wonder if the original plan was I'll go down because you don't you, you don't, don't want to be with down that there. dead body. No, but she she does it just because she's so exhausted. For, and they're like, we got to do this to get this done. I should say, as he f- is first climbing down into the well. He sees Sadako's fingernails embedded oh, yeah. in the wall of the well. And it's it's a nice detail. It is creepy as hell. And he just says, Sadako was alive in Japanese. Yeah, well, I apologize yeah, no. for that bad accent. <laughs> Sadako was alive when she was put down here. So she tried to climb out of the well. Creepy. They get like two more buckets out before she's like, just decides to start feeling around. In this water, Can that's like even five get high at another this point. bucket out. There Maybe be like one or two. One or two, and she's just like, you know what? I think we're. we're I, I, we, I'm getting really close to dead here. I just yeah. gotta start feeling around. And she finds Sadako's hair. First thing she finds, she sifting through the water with her hands. She comes up with clumps of hair, and she does. She finds the body, and she decides to. And you you think there's gonna be this really nice sweet moment. Where, like, she parts the hair so it's kind of like, we found you, and, like, everything's going to be okay now that we found you. <laughs> Instead, like, the hair just melts off the, what's left of, like, the dissolved skin, like, just peels away. The eyeballs, whatever, is a month there, just kind of, like, melt away in, like, a thing of ooze. And there is <laughs> it's a, gross. there's a little jump scare, and I forgot to mention that. She's, she finds the clump of hair, and then a hand reaches out of the water and grabs her arm at the same place that he grabbed yes. her earlier. But then the camera angle shifts and the arm isn't there. So it's partially maybe in her head. I don't know. But They find the body and... They've solved the mystery. You've solved the mystery of the dead girl at the well. And it's been more than a week now. It's past 7.10. 
she's still alive. That must be it, right? We solve the mystery of the murder. We get to live. Woo. There's still like 10 minutes left in this movie, folks. Yeah, so she goes home. She's all happy. Hey. Yay. He goes home. He realizes his grad student. Fucked with his equation. Fucked with his equation. His grad student, who he may be banging, we're still trying to figure that one out. Almost definitely. Yeah. It's, It's Tuesday now. And suddenly his TV turns on. And this is the point where if you're not creeped out by the film by now, get by ready. Its, by its pace, get ready to clinch your butt cheeks. It's not a film of jump scares. It is a film of impending dread. And suddenly it just boils over and Sadako climbs out of the well on the TV and starts walking towards the screen of the television. The phone rings. He's unable to answer it because he's so scared. And she crawls out of the television. And here's where the American version loses me a little bit. Okay. In the American version, and I've talked to people who really like this effect, she gains video powers. What? <laughs> and she can she yeah. jumps around the room as if editing, as if video bouncing in and out of it of oh, is that what that we were going for with she's that? video that makes sense okay she's like a jumpy videotape and it's a it's a clever effect and i can't say it's better or worse but as i saw the japanese version first i prefer the slow creepy reversed footage walk towards ryuji now ryuji's he gets basically like one more phrase in before he is well scared to death and that was oh i get it now and it's like, well, too late, buddy. Yeah, he's... not very helpful. And he never gets a chance to relay that to the person who called them because it wasn't the ghost of Saiko. It was his ex-wife slash maybe they're still married and never got that divorce it's finalized. Not, yeah. Even though the kid's now in elementary school and he has no idea who the kid hasn't recognized the kid. Point is, she gets... calls Anyways. him, gets no answer, or gets the res- or he knocks the phone off the hook, so she might get his screams. Oh, she hears him die for sure. Yes. Because so she, she rushes right she over. She rushes right over. The body's already been taken away. His grad student had apparently already found the body. And she is very confused. How come she's still alive? But her ex-husband is now dead. Does this mean her, her, boy is, her, her son is now in trouble still? But she gets a clue from the helpful ghost of her ex-husband, now wearing the white cloth over his head, very creepily pointing... Towards her purse in the reflection of the TV. Now, in her purse, she had always been carrying the original tape that she found at the uh, the, the video rental place of all places. And she pulls it out and she compares it to the version that Yuishi had. Ryuji. So Ryuji had a copy. You know it's a copy because it says on the back of the spine, copy in English. It's the only thing that was different. He watched a copy that she made instead of the original tape. And it dawns on her. You make a copy, you show it to someone new, you get to live, which means she's found a way to save her son. And she does this (laughs) by calling up her father, Uh, who's an old man, uh, and I think there's supposed to be some implication that he's in ill health, but it never comes through in the movie. She calls her father up and says, something I need you to do is for Yoichi. And then the movie fades out. As she's driving towards her grandfather, her father's house. Now Damn, the other that's cold. Yeah. Now the other thing that really bothered me about the remake that I forgot to bring up is when they go into the well. 
In the Japanese version, they find the well, it's under the building, they knock their way in, and they go in. In the American version, it's under the floor of the cabin. An interesting choice, I'm not going to complain about that at all. But then there's a Rube Goldberg-esque series of events that involves a TV sliding down a broken table and knocking Naomi Watts into the well. And it just, it doesn't work for me. They've already made the decision that they are going to retrieve this body. Why make some weird set of events that happens to accidentally knock her into the well she was probably going into anyway? That's my last... No, it's not my last word about the American one, because there's a lot of things that I have to say about it. And I think a lot of it is just because I'd already seen the Japanese one. I'd already gotten all of the scares out of my system, other than all the jump scares that they add in by the time I watched the American one. And it's a decent horror film. I just prefer the Japanese one. And that brings me back to my kind of original thing is... Does the Japanese version work for an American audience who isn't well aware of a lot of tropes in Japanese stories? The real question, is, I think, is less about tropes and more about would an American, let's say even horror fan, deal well with the pace of the Japanese film? Oh, it was slow. It's very slow. It's all about building tension Getting closer and closer to that Monday when we know, you know. A typical American horror film, and I'm just going to talk about, say, slashers, for example, right off the bat. There's a lot of kills that go on throughout the film. In fact, I was reading something by Don Coscarelli, or maybe it was Toby Hooper. It doesn't really matter. It was an American horror director who said that the, the audience checks out after about 28 minutes. So therefore, you need to have something happen that brings them back in every half an hour. This movie does not have that. This movie is all about just building tension up until that big climax. And there's the faux climax where they find the body. And it relieves a certain amount of tension, but not enough that you're ready for what happens next. The one that really got to me was just kind of how chill all the characters were with kind of like, hey, we're dealing with a ghost. And hey, my ex-husband has psychic powers. Was this just something for the film or was this just something for, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, once we get set ourselves in this path, people are just going to fall into place on this is this type of story we're dealing with. So yes, of course, half the characters are psychic. But they do live in a world where a professor who is studying psychic phenomenon gets fired in disgrace Not for studying psychic phenomenon, just because someone died. Yes, but the reporters slash other scientists clearly don't believe him. But is that just a conceit of the film in order to just kind of disgrace him? Possibly. My my thing was, they did a really kind of nice job in the beginning of this, kind of subtly hinting uh, at Yoishi's, uh, not Yoishi, Ryushi. Ryushi's psychic uh, sixth sense here. For the record, Yoichi, who is the is son. Is the son. He's a character. In the sequel, Ring 2, is very clear that he also has psychic abilities. He is not very present in this movie. He plays a bigger part in the sequel. They do a really good job. It's kind of like playing down the psychic powers thing. Kind of like, you know, I got, I got a sense of something going on. Like, oh, man, I'm going to pause here and I'm going to feel that there's something not right here. And they do a really good job with that up until... You know, he grabs the old guy and he gets a you know, like a, this, this vision. He gets a full and he's on not even like creeped vision. out about it. He's kind of like, okay, it's one of these. And at that point, I'm like, this is one of the things that you had mentioned to me back a while ago. 
and I thought it was like the greatest way to like uh, approach filmmaking ever. And that was, you can ask your audience to make one big leap. For example, we've got wizards, and they cast spells all the time. But and they after that, anything else that no, happens will just fall into place. But no one knows anything about it because they constantly are casting memory spells on the world. That's fine. Let's say the world accepts that. But then you can't say, and then there's a flying DeLorean that comes in, and they go back in time to the beginning. Your first leap is magical wizards. And then your second leap is time machine. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Your your audience would suddenly question, why is there a flying DeLorean in this movie? You can set up a film that says, hey, we have dream sharing technology that will allow us to steal corporate secrets. You then can't go to, and aliens. Aliens. You can build a world where it takes place on a ship that is traveling through interstellar space carrying cargo and they suddenly get a distress call from a planet that they have to mandatorily check out because it's corporate mandate. You then can't suddenly go, plus crazy galactic deities. You can't have a movie about aliens leaving crop circles and invading the world and then suddenly also add in, oh, and when your wife died a few years ago, every word that she said was important and and it turns out the aliens hate water. And your brother may have psychic powers. So in this film, the one big leap is, hey, there's a ghost that has haunted a videotape that can kill you. Yes, so I guess that that might answer your question, at least for a Japanese audience. Does that mean that one of the characters having some sort of connection to the spiritual world is not a huge leap? Or is the film then taking a second leap, which would be a kind of a violation of that... That general rule of Of world building. Is the kind of sudden introduction of these visions a second leap i think it's not necessarily it depends how you're approaching the, f- the film for me when i'm walking in it's ooh evil videotape and then oh that dude has psychic powers too okay it's like a half leap but i have to imagine for a specific audience maybe that's not even a half leap maybe that's just okay we've already established this ghost. is a world where this ghosts is a, and esp exist ghost and esp done which I guess is kind of, you know, a thing that's just, this is the type of story we're telling in Japan. A, lo- a lot of this, you know, is kind of maybe a lot easier to take in for a different audience. Yeah, there's a lot of cultural biases that I think just show up, especially in horror films. Hollywood tried for a long time to remake all of these Japanese horror films, and they were reasonably successful, especially The Ring. The ones that really worked are the ones that were actually based on this kind of subgenre of Japanese horror, which is technology kind of taking over traditional values and traditional ways. And the ring is very heavily weighted towards that. As There's... well as Pulse. Yes, Pulse. And if you imagine which were the two most popular of the American remakes, they were Ring and Pulse. Yeah, the Ringu is very strongly about the clash of technology and traditional values in Japanese culture. Well, it's as simple as you have Japanese ghost stories being mashed up with a technology of videotape and telephones. Ghosts are big on using telephones, but only if you're in their neighborhood of the cabin. Or if you're watching Pulse, it's the internet. Yeah. Oh, man. Did you do... Oh, man. That was... They did a good job with the visuals of that movie. That movie creeped me out when I first saw it. So as far as the remakes go... I'm not going to shit on the remakes because they're really hard to translate and I haven't seen things like Dark Water. I haven't seen either version of Dark Water. 
seen a couple other Japanese horror films that I've enjoyed. Kiyoshi Kurosawa's Cure is a good one. But I, it's hard to really complain about translating a film across such different cultures to the point where you can't really complain that they're different. And I'm not going to complain about The Ring because it's actually not a bad horror film, especially the American one is decent. It's pretty good. It's got some good scares in it and it holds together as a story. Unfortunately, it's just that whole same story that we've gone over twice now and this will be the third time of studios getting locked into an idea of, hey, this is a way to make money. Going absolutely crazy of let's go into the ground with this and they did okay to reset is there a character that we needed to see more of in this film maybe someone who we would want to see in their own film i could see an entire film of ryuji actually i want to see that old gruff guy <laughs> oh you know here's the thing i don't even know his name i, I was know all on board with name. that idea until you kind of realize that he was just the jerk who called the newspapers. Yeah, he wasn't the doctor. I was all ready to be like, yes, we need to know more about this guy. Until you kind of realize, no, he's just some kind of guilt-tripping jerk. He was hoping to make money off Shizuko. Yeah. That was his entire thing. And he redeemed himself sort of, I don't know. I would absolutely get behind hearing more stories of the types of psychics that we deal with in this world. I've seen the sequels. The Japanese sequels. Didn't like Ring Zero at all. Ring 2 I enjoyed. It's not nearly as good. It has at least one scene that is so beyond creepy that is stuck with me. The young boy, and I believe his babysitter or something to that effect, uh, get transported into the well. And they're trying to climb out while Sadako is climbing after them. And she's a creepy stop motion thing. And it's fantastic. Oh, we have to actually mention this. It wasn't stop motion. No, in the sequel it is. Oh, in the se- oh, that's in the sequel, bad. I think it's stop motion because she's climbing up the wall. In Ring Ringu, it is the actress who is playing Sadako is actually recorded backwards, and they so she walks backwards into to- the television. Towards no, she walks backwards towards the well, yeah. and then they play the tape backwards to add the to create the effect of very creepy, creepy walking towards the television screen. Yeah. Which brings up our our big question. Do you recommend this film? This one is hard. Yeah. Because there's a couple criteria. One, are you okay with subtitles? Right. Some people aren't. Is there a su- uh, is there a dubbed version of this I've film? I've never seen one. It might, the DVD that I have does not have dubs as an option. And there's a lot of things that get lost in translation. Yeah, it, it, it really and is. I have like a limited basis for ways stories are told in Japan, and well, I then, still struggled with some of the... Well, then number two... <sighs> Have you seen the American The Ring? And did you like it? Right. Which means, if you haven't seen either of these, question number one is, why did you listen to this entire podcast? We just spoiled a pretty good horror film. One, We've spoiled two pretty good horror films for you. Yeah. If you've seen the American version, you enjoyed it, you don't really like subtitles, or you're not a huge fan of foreign horror films, it's probably not going to do anything for you. Stick to the remake. I'm going to say this about it. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed watching it. Would I immediately like throw this out at someone and be like, you have to see this. It's so good. No, but it's not for the reason because you know it's just okay. It's for the reason of it's different. And I will finish by relating... The experience of watching this the first time. The first time I watched this film, I was in a dorm. and Full of students that English was not their first language. No, it was an international dorm. And me and my friend Pat decided to watch 
Ring, this Japanese horror movie that we'd heard there was an American remake of, but we'd like to watch the Japanese version. We watched this film in a common room in the lounge, said our goodbyes, and went to sleep. The next morning, we met up, and I think the first thing said to each other was, so you went to your room and turned on all the lights, right? Yeah, I did too. It's definitely creepy. If you enjoy movies that creep you out, you're going to get it from this. It leaves you with a pervading sense of dread, and that is probably the biggest recommendation I can give towards watching the film. Do you want to be creeped out for about 90 minutes, then creeped out by any reflective surface for like the next two or three days? Especially if you've never seen either version. If you're someone who still like really, really gets scared at horror movies, I'm someone who is not. I've started watching, you know, scary movies and I was really, you know, frightened by them, but it got to a point where I began to disconnect from them and just started enjoying, you know, the uh the way they tell the story. So for me watching this, this was how are they conveying their message of dread rather than just being really creeped out by it. And I can imagine, you know, a younger version of myself really getting freaked out by this. And if you're someone who's still in that realm, if you're someone who still will pop in a scary movie and just be like, oh, please don't let it be that bad because I really kind of want to get some sleep tonight. You know what? You're going to love this movie because it's not a bunch of jump scares. No. Which is a huge problem with There's a lot of American Almost no jump scares in the entire film. The closest thing to it, the hand popping out of the water, yeah. and that completely didn't even register as a jump scare for me. It's just, and it was just after it happened, I'm like, oh, I think I was supposed to have, be startled by that. It was just building and building and building and building. And it never kind of lets you go. And for that reason, I would say yes, it's a recommend from me. There you go. Trying to think of another film. There's all the various Japanese horror films. I like, like I said, Cure by Kurosawa is another one that I don't think ever got remade. As far as the other Japanese uh, films that were remade in America, if you enjoyed The Ring with Naomi Watts, uh, another remake that you might enjoy is Pulse. We already brought that one up. Um, as far as other films in this kind of same vein that just build and build and build, but don't have a lot of, like, in-your-face scares, watch yourself some Hitchcock. Or The Shining. And that might be right on the same wavelength of this film in terms of building up creepiness, creepiness, creepiness. It has probably a more effective climax than this film in terms of just going balls-out crazy all of a sudden. But if you haven't seen The Shining... What's wrong with you? Seriously. Think about your life and why it doesn't have enough Kubrick in it. So some Hitchcock, some Shining, and Pulse, if you enjoyed Ring, Ringu. 1998, Ringu. Well, you know, hopefully you uh, enjoyed this. We appreciate it if you made it all the way through. Yeah, the ring took a little bit out of us. Let's let's be honest. This was one that I was really kind of weirded out about, you know, trying to... I wasn't sure what we were going to talk about, but I think we uh, discovered otherwise. Hey, did you like this movie? She liked this movie. Saw the thumbs up from the silent partner. She's a horror fan. And a metalhead. Unrelated, but <laughs> not not really unrelated. Oh, man, oh, man. Thank you guys for listening to Out of Sync Podcast, a production of Shellback Media. Uh, I am Steve Shannon. I'm Jonathan LaDuke. You can reach us at outofsyncpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, folks. Thanks for listening. See ya. Yeah.
Also, as far as recommendations go, uh, Ginza no Suzume. Just buy yourself some Japanese sushi. And sake is always a good time. Uh, oh, yeah. Sake is always You know what's horrible? What? Chinese whiskey. Oh, stay away from Chinese oh, whiskey. Oh, God. Oh, oh, oh. You can degrease an axle with that one. 